Amen. Amen. All right. Can we all just take one second and welcome all of our Fairview family to the services this morning? Let them know we are all glad they are with us today. Now, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this here and at Fairview? Let's take one second. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? Now, ho, 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 ho. How many of y'all are glad the devil can't do a thing about it? But I'm going to count to three and we're going to give him praise and glory and honor and just, just, just let him know how glad we are that he has saved us. One, at Fairview two, one, two, three. Let's give him glory and praise. Yes. Yes. Amen. All right. Turn with me to Matthew 22. Remain standing for just a second. We're going to read just a couple verses and I'll let you sit down. And while you're turning, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. We are glad that you're here. And you'll be glad that the I, I, last few years I haven't been preaching theme messages because the father said, well, Mother's Day, you're really nice. And then on Father's Day, you chew us out. I said, well, I'll just preach the Bible then. How about that? So anyway, <laughs> all right, all right. Matthew 22 is where we stopped last week. And let's, let's, let's start there at, at, at verse number 15. I'm not going to lie to you. I got something really good at the end of this thing. And I'm like so excited to get to it. We're going to hurry through it. Say amen. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you what, what we are going to see here. Uh, in, in, in Matthew 22, verse 15, if you found your place, say amen. amen. Then... Then, now this comes after Jesus' scathing parables. You remember last week, uh, he, he gave three different parables describing the judgment to come on the unbelievers, on the, the religious Pharisees here, the religious elite who were hypocrites. Now, <clears throat> they're coming back. Verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out <clears throat> unto him their disciples with the Herodians, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Be careful if the person is patting you on the back, they're looking for a soft spot. Say amen. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image in superscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they heard these things, they marveled and left him and went their way. But they were not through. They brought something else. They begin to talk about the resurrection. You see, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So they were going to approach Jesus and think they could do better than the ones before. And, and we're going to skip down. We're going to skip down to verse 33. I'll come back and explain those. But this is what took place. After he, dis, after he answered their, their questioning, verse 33, and when the multitude heard this, they were what? Astonished. Astonished at his doctrine. 
And then they keep on, they keep on. They're not finished yet. You know, they, they, they just can't get enough. So they ask him another question about the greatest commandment. But when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, let's look at verse 46, verse 46. And, and no man was able to answer him a word. Now read this with me. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more are y'all with me? Yes. Ain't no sense in asking nothing else. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to breeze through the first part and we're going to get to the big picture. Uh, I, I don't have the time this morning. This is not a Wednesday night, so I don't have the time I would have to go into the, 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 the very details of each one. I'm going to explain them, but I want to hurry up and get to the big picture. And the big picture is what does this mean to us? Are y'all with me? Say amen. How many of y'all ready to see the big picture? All right. Well, let's pray and we'll jump right in here. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for this crowd this morning. Thank you for the, just the, thank you for air conditioner. Lord, I thank you for a building that we can uh, come together in. I, I thank you for the padded pews and the carpet. There, there, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians meeting together right now all over this planet that don't have the privileges we have. And I want to thank you for what you've done for us. And I want to thank you for blessing our assembly. Thank you for blessing our families. Lord, you've been so good to us. I know we don't deserve it, but we are thankful. Now, Lord, please help me to deliver this and help me to give them what you've given me. I don't deserve to be here and I don't even claim it. But Lord, I definitely need your Holy Spirit and I need the unction from glory. And I, I, I pray that you'll help me to preach this morning and be an encouragement to those that are here. Lord, I pray that you don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We are at, if you, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we have been uh, in the last week of the Lord's uh, ministry, the last week of his life before he was crucified. Uh, some people call it Passion Week or the week of the Passover uh, and, and he has come, we, we have learned about the cleansing of the temple. We've learned about the, the cursing of the fig tree. I mean, there are so many things that's happened in this little short, brief period of time. And now we have something else. We find that the religious elite, the religious crowd, the religious leaders are questioning him. Now they are trying to trap him and they come at him with three different questions, three different uh, 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 things that, uh, and, and it's not because they are wanting the answers. They're wanting him to give a wrong answer. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. They hate him. They hate him with a passion. They despise him and they want to kill him, but they have to have a reason. They're trying to find a way. They're trying to find a reason. They're trying to find an excuse that they can arrest him, but they got it. They, they got to They got to get him to slip up. They, they got to get him to mess up because they still, still feared the people. And, and we've got to, we got to do this. We, we got to get him. We got to trap him. And, and so this is what's happening. But there's always a bigger picture. There's always something going on that is more than meets the eye. How many of y'all are glad that when the devil's at work, God is too? I, I, you know, it, it takes me back. It takes me back. To Joseph, when Joseph said, uh, 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 Pastor Doug, he said, when you meant it for evil, 
but God meant it for good. Now we're going to, we're going to go through this and we're going to see that they are meaning it for evil and they have no idea that they are showing a picture of what God is doing for the world has no idea. And that's the big picture. And we're going to get to that. So uh, don't get upset if we're not going in detail. If you want in detail verse by verse, then show up Wednesday night. Say amen. Amen. But today we're going to get to the big picture. Okay. Number one, number one, let's, let's, let's go through this. Let's go through this so we can hurry up and get to the end. All right. First, I want you to see the religious leaders plan, the religious leaders plan. We find that we find that in verse number 15. It's not complicated. It, 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 it clearly says what they're trying to do. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. All right. Now, <clears throat> for the sake of the big picture, I worded it a certain way. Okay. So A, write this down. They are trying to find a flaw. They're trying to find a flaw. Or what's the other word I put there? Say it again. Say it again. They're trying to find a blemish. They're trying to find him uh, uh, slipping up, saying something wrong. They're trying to get him. Not our, Listen, they're not just trying to find a blemish. They're trying to create a blemish. All right. That's how wicked they are. So they're trying to find fault. They're trying to find a blemish. And we're going to come back to that word blemish. So keep that word in your mind. Now, they're trying to find the flaw. B, they're trying to trap the Lord. They're trying to trap him. <coughs> Excuse me. They're trying to trap the Lord. See, for the purpose of arresting and executing him. They are not trying to find truth. They're not trying to find truth. You got to understand this. This is important. And, and you're going to run into people. You're going to run into people who are going to argue with you, not because they're seeking truth. They're wanting you to believe or accept what they are believing or trying to push off on you. You know, there, there are certain groups in this country that are preaching acceptance. They just want to be accepted. They want to be, they want you to uh, leave them or tolerance. They say the word tolerance. Oh, we, you have no tolerance. No, we have tolerance. We just don't have acceptance for sin. And so here we're going to, we're going to, we don't, we don't care about his preaching. We don't care about anything. We just want to trap him. We want him out of our way. We want him out of our hair. We want him dead. Period. That's the deal. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But let's look at, let's look at Christ's divine wisdom. Not only do we see their plan, they, they bring three different questions. One, one question is about, one, one question is about taxes. One question is about money. One, one question is about, and see here's, and they're really slick with this too. Because if he says, if he says, yes, you should pay, then he's going to make the people mad because they hate the Romans. And they hate the taxes and, and, and they, are y'all with me? But if he says, no, you shouldn't pay, then he's going he's gonna to upset the Romans and he's going to get in trouble with the Romans. So the way they've worded this, either way, he's going to get in trouble. But little did they know he was God. And you're not going to trap him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, hey, write this down. He addressed a social duty. He addressed a social duty. They said, should we give, should we give money to these taxes? Should we give this to Caesar? And he said, well, what's on the coin? Look on the coin. He said, what's on the coin? He said, well, it's an image. Say that with me. It's an, it's an image of Caesar. He said, okay, well, give Caesar what Caesar's. 
But then he said this, but give to God what is. Now, if if the the item has the image of Caesar and that Caesar, what's God's? Whose image are you in? Did y'all catch that? So he is teaching two things here. He's teaching two things here. First, we have a responsibility to support government. We have a certain, boy, that got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't have time, but we can go through several, several verses in the New Testament says we are to support government, not only with our finances, but we're supposed to be praying for all of them. Are y'all with me? Now, so we're to support government, but we're to serve God. He said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, render unto God that which is God. You're in the image of God. So what does God want from you? Everything. You are in God's image. You owe God. You give God your life. Say amen. Well, that just traps them. They don't know what to say. They just could not believe this. We, listen, we had the perfect question and, and he got out. So they're astonished. They're blown away. So, they, so the next crowd comes in, the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> you can use that, Brother Doug, somewhere. Just write it down there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <coughs> Cough medicine. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, if you didn't believe in the resurrection, you'd be sad too, amen? Well, they come at him, they come at him with a tradition, a Jewish, a Jewish law that was the Leverite marriage. In other words, uh, when a, when a man was married and he didn't have an heir to his inheritance, it was his brother's responsibility to marry her and have a child in his name to keep perpetuate the name and the inheritance for the nation of Israel in all the different tribes. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Well, they bring up this, you know, uh, this theoretical uh, uh, situation where he has all these brothers and they all marry her and die and none of them have any children. Say, so, well, then who, who is she going to be married to in the resurrection? Well, they're, they're foolish. They don't even understand truth. They don't understand. And, and the worst dig that Jesus could get at these religious leaders was that they didn't even know the scriptures. They're supposed to be experts. And he said, you, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Number one, there's not going to be any marriage in heaven. We're going to be as the, and by the way, he didn't say we will be angels. He said we'll be as the angels. Okay. So, so, so don't, I hear people all the time. Well, now they're an angel. No, they're not. No, they're not. Okay. But then he says this, this is really, really important. He says, it doesn't say that God was the God of Abraham and was the God of Isaac and was the God of Jacob. It says he is. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Are y'all with me? So he put them to shame. And I, I'm, I'm rushing through this. I'm rushing through this. I know because I want to get to the, the big picture. Are y'all with me? Now, so he deals with a, our social duty. In, in, in one of the questions, he explained scriptural doctrine. He explained scriptural doctrine in the second that there is going to be a resurrection. And then, and then he's asked the question, what's the number one commandment? If we're going to, if we're going to fulfill one of them, what's the, what's the number one? So he, he reveals scriptural dedication, scriptural dedication. 
He says, you need to love the Lord your God. Period. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And he didn't stop there. And your neighbor. Now, there's a lot of Christians don't have a problem with loving God. It's just loving the neighbor they got an issue with. But here's the thing. I found out if you love God, you'll love your neighbor. Because you'll love what he loves. And, and if you have a problem loving your neighbor, you need to back up and see if you really love God. Somebody go ahead and say amen. Now, he, then he, go, he even goes past that. He says, because all of the commandments hang on these two. And let me explain what that means. Very simply, it means if you love your neighbor, you won't steal from them. Right? If you love your neighbor, you, you won't kill them. If you love your neighbor, you won't, you won't lie about them. If you love God, you won't, you won't bear false witness. If you love God, you won't have any other God before him. If you love God and others, you'll fulfill all the commandments. Does this make sense? Amen. They're blown away. They just, we just have no other question. We've questioned him and questioned him and questioned him. And we can't find no flaw. Or we can't find no blemish. We can't find no blemish. Now, now let's look at the big picture. Let's look at the big picture. This is Passover week, right? This is Passover week. If you don't know anything about Passover, uh, let me do a brief review and then we'll get to the big picture. Passover was a time that the, the nation of Israel came out of Egypt. They came out of bondage. Y'all remember the plagues when Moses went and said, let my people go, you know, uh, and all of these things took place. All of these plagues took place. And the last one was going to be the death angel, right? God said, I'm going to send the death angel and you've got to take a lamb. You've got to take a lamb. That lamb is to be taken out of the flock on that 10th day. On the 14th day, you're to take that lamb and kill that lamb and take the blood of that lamb and apply it to the lintel and the doorpost. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And don't come out of the house. The house will be protected. The house will be covered by the blood. And keep in mind, everybody, keep in mind, everybody, everything in the Old Testament is God drawing you a picture of what he's going to do in the New Testament. All right, the death angel represents the judgment to come. Death is coming. But if the blood is applied, say amen. amen. If it's covered by the blood, I will pass, I will pass. Man, I got God bumps on me a hog goodbye right now. Amen. I will pass over you. And if the blood is applied, there was deliverance. And they came out of bondage. They came out of slavery. They were delivered. Listen, delivered from their captors. Say amen. And he gave them, he gave them a responsibility. He said, from that day forward every year, I want you to hold this feast. I want you to call it the Passover. And I want you to remember when you came out. Now, that's important to the Jewish nation. But what does that have to do with us? It is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That lamb, <clears throat> excuse me, that lamb represented Jesus he is drawing a picture of Jesus. He is telling you what he's going to do for you. Say amen. amen. Now, Jesus is baptized. Jesus is baptized. Jesus shows up. He arrives in the New Testament. Are y'all with me? 
Now he's baptized. And then John said, look, behold, behold, get a good glimpse, get a good look, check him out. Behold. What does he say? The, come on, everybody. He said, behold, the, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Say amen. He was declared to be the lamb of God. This is Passover week. Are y'all with me? Now let's go through the process. Let's go through the process. It was, it was the responsibility of the people to find a lamb. It could not be just any lamb. It could not be a broke leg lamb. It could not be a sickly lamb. It could not be a flawed lamb. It could not be a blemished lamb. It could, oh, say amen. They had to take that lamb in and for three days they had to examine the lamb. They had to examine it critically. They had to look for a flaw. They had to look for a blemish. And if they could not find a blemish, they would bring it to the priest. And then the priest would examine the lamb. Are y'all with me? The priest would examine the lamb. And if the priest couldn't find a flaw, if the priest couldn't find a blemish, then he was worthy of sacrifice and the lamb would be provided for the sins of the people for another year. Say amen. Amen. Are y'all, are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Are y'all seeing where I'm going with this? The lamb was examined for three days. The lamb was presented to the priest. And the priest examined the lamb to try to find a flaw, to try to find a blemish. And if they couldn't find it, the lamb passed and was able to be the sacrifice for the sin of the one who brought it. Say amen. Now, Jesus has presented himself for, whoo, say amen. For 30 years. For 30 years, the father examined the lamb. And that, man, I'm telling you, I'm getting them again. Amen. And at his baptism, he said, I'm well pleased. For 30 years, the father looked for a blemish and looked for a flaw. And now he says, I am well pleased. Then for three years, John told him, behold him, check him out, look him over. This is the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And for three years, the people got to examine him. They examined his message. They examined his ministry. They examined his miracles. They examined everything about him. They watched him heal people. They watched him serve people. He watched him change people. He watched him feed people. They got to see the lamb. But it's not ready yet. The lamb has to be examined by the priest. And Jesus has presented himself. Hallelujah. He's presented himself to the priest. He has presented himself to the the hierarchy. He's presented himself to the religious elite. And they begin to examine him. They begin to ask him questions. Not because they thought they were doing good. They were trying to trick him. But behind the scenes, God was at work. He was allowing the lamb to be examined and cross-examined. They were interrogating him, trying to find a flaw, trying to find a blemish. But when it was all said, and done. They had to walk away and ask him no more questions. 
Yes. They couldn't find a flaw. <laughs> and then later on, we ain't even got to this part yet, but later on, Pilate's going to say, I find no fault in him. Matter of fact, at one point, he says, I find no fault at all. You know why? Because he's the lamb. But that's not the big picture. This ain't going to be a long sermon, but it's going to be a good one. Because I know what you're thinking. Big deal. Big deal. We all knew he was God. We all knew he was Jesus, man. We knew he was perfect. We knew he was without flaw. So what's that got to do with us? Why should we get jacked up and excited because they couldn't find a blemish in him? I'll tell you why. Because when the sinner brought the sacrifice to the priest, the priest, watch me now, follow me, follow me, Fairview, stay with me. The priest didn't examine the sinner. He examined the lamb. It didn't didn't matter if the sinner had a flaw. It didn't matter if the sinner was blemished. As long as the lamb... Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if they examined me, oh, they would find blemish after blemish after blemish. They would find flaw after flaw after flaw. But when it's all said and done, God's not going to examine me. He's going to examine the lamb. And when I stand before God, it's not going to be blemish free because I know I have issues, but he's not going to be looking at me. He's going to be looking at the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. He's going to be checking out Jesus and say, okay, you're in. (laughs) Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that my eternal destiny is not determined by my worthiness. My destiny and your destiny is going to be determined by the worthiness of the Lamb. They didn't ask him no more questions. (laughs) He passed. You say, why is this so important? Because if they could have found a flaw, we would have no hope. The sacrifice had to be without blemish. They say, why are, you, why are you all emotional? Because I know my flaws. I know my issues. I know, I know me. And I know I don't deserve, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve compassion. I don't deserve mercy. 
And you may look at me and say, well, I don't think much of you. I don't care. Because I'm not being examined. What do you think about my lamb? (laughs) All you stuck up self-righteous people in here. They can't understand why somebody's happy about that. Because you ain't never figured out who you really are. Can you imagine? Just, I got plenty of time. I'm, I'm already done. I'm just running a rabbit right now. <laughs> Can you imagine the struggling, the struggling Jew who was outside, maybe, maybe in, in Galilee or, or somewhere away from Jerusalem, and he struggled in his life. Look at me now. Look at me now. I don't mean you wrap up. He, he, he struggled in his life, had issues all year long. And he feels guilty. He feels burdened. He feels broken. And now he's traveling. He's traveling to Jerusalem during Passover. And he comes around, maybe comes over, maybe comes over the, 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 uh, the Mount of Olives, or maybe he comes around through the valley, and all of a sudden, there's this massive temple. And I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. All the the drawings and the in the models I've seen, that was an impressive view. He knows that. Listen, he knows that God's presence is there. He knows that God's God's power and his holiness is just, maybe he starts getting nervous because he's getting closer to God. There, there's, there's a pool down at the bottom <clears throat> with steps that led up to the temple mount. And they were to ceremonial, ceremonially be clean as they, they wash in that pool before they ascend the mount. Can you imagine... Maybe throughout those steps, walking up to the mount, bringing his lamb. He's feeling guilty. He's feeling nervous. He's remembering things. And he's feeling a real sense of unworthiness. Then he gets to present his lamb. And the priests don't even look at him. He's focused on the. And when he says. It'll pass. And they take that lamb and sacrifice it for his sins and his sins are covered. He realizes it has nothing. His covering and his forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with him. His worthiness, his deserving, it has everything to do with the. So today, when you leave here, I want you to be thankful. And I want you to be grateful and appreciative 
that none of your eternal destiny rests on your worthiness, on your goodness, on your good deeds or behavior. For by grace are we saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And all God's people say it. I want to read to you a verse. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. That means you could not buy it. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as we all read together, as of a lamb... <laughs> One more time. As a lamb without One more thing. I know I said I was done, but I I lied. <laughs> Actually I forgot, but either way. Well, preacher, what does that mean? When God sees me, he doesn't see any blemish and any flaw. Because I have been covered in a robe of righteousness that was not of my making. So when he sees me, He sees the son. When he sees me, he sees the lamb. And when the lamb was declared without flaw, without blemish, I was declared without flaw and without blemish. And all of God's people say it. There's two groups of people here I want to address with this. One the people that are saved and you're walking around burdened because the devil constantly harps on you about your past. Here's what I need you to tell him. What do you think about my lamb? I know I got flaws. You don't have to remind me, devil. I was there when it happened. But what do you think about my lamb? I'm not getting in because of what I did. I'm getting in because my lamb was without spot and without blemish. (laughs) And the second group is those people that's trying to work your way in. You're trying to be without spot and without blemish. I got bad news for you. You could, get, you could do good deeds till the cows come home. And you're going to still have a blemish. And you're going to still have spots. For all have sin and come. 
There is none. No, not. I encourage you to find the lamb. Because your good deeds are not going to pass. There must be a lamb. And I promise you this. It's way better that way. Just come to him. And say, Lord, forgive me. Save me. Change me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It didn't say might be. It didn't say could be. It said shall be. be. Have you brought a spotless lamb for your sins? Say, preacher, how do I do that? Well, first you recognize that you're a sinner. You know why they showed up at the temple with that lamb? They knew they were sinners. And they knew if they were going to have a right relationship with the God of that tabernacle or the God of that temple, they had to bring a lamb. They knew they were sinners. And listen, you cannot get saved till you get lost. Until you admit that you're a sinner and you've fallen short of the glory of God, fallen short of what's required to get into heaven. Secondly, you've got to believe with all of your heart that Jesus, God's son, came to this earth, died on the cross to be your lamb. And he resurrected and rose the third day. And he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. So if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be And then just ask him. Say, God, save me. You can do that today.